Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to today's edition of The Cheapest Meal, presented by Deep Fried Draft, and today, co-presented by Ironic Media, as uh, I'm bringing on now, what for what should be a potentially weekly uh, college ball wrap-up show, I bring in now my co-host. He is the Director of, Communica- Director of Communications for Ironic Media. He is Nick Beccarelli. Nick, uh, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me on this week. Hey, yeah, like I said, I think uh, think this will be a good little segment for us uh, to maybe try to do at least maybe every other week or every week if we can. But uh, let's just hit. Let's get right in on these college football games. It was a pretty uh, pretty good damn week of football yesterday, and uh, some of the big games. Stanford, Oregon. I don't know if you stayed up late and watched that one, but holy hell, what a finish! It was probably – it's only four weeks into the season, and I think we already saw the game of the year. Um, I stayed up as much as I could, uh, had a few cups of coffee <laughs> to try to to try to do so. But, my God, those last five minutes, I mean, you literally – it was edge of the seat, draw dropping, eyes popping, did that just happen, feeling, and – Wow, that, that really that's all I have to say is wow. <laughs> I was sitting there watching this game. Um I have uh, a friend that I went to uh the casino with Friday night and he has, he's got a six, uh uh eight game parlay with Stanford. He has them as his last game to cash $2000 and I'm sitting there watching it like it was my money. It was crazy. I what do you call? I would be I would honestly be like sitting there like absolutely I would absolutely been like, you know, chopping down to the nubs of my fingers, you know, if I had a two thousand dollar ticket in my hand. <laughs> I mean Yeah. That's just, I mean, that's, we're talking we're talking 17 points down in the second half, and you thinking you've got no chance, and then all of a sudden you're you're cashing 2K. It is crazy, but yeah, that that's probably like you said, the game of the year so far in college football. Another big game last night in the uh, Big Ten West Division. Wisconsin comes from behind to uh, beat Iowa. Iowa shot themselves in the foot. That was Iowa's game to win. I never seen a team. Well, I have, but. Again, being this with this early in the season, if you had to vote on worst implosion, it would be Iowa because I, they were making like top Warner mistakes towards the end of the game. And you got to hand it to Wisconsin though. Wisconsin, after what happened to them last week, you know, to lose two in a row this early in the season would have probably not only would probably shoot their Big Ten the Big Ten title hopes to to, to crap trying to be PG here, Uh, you know, but they persevered. They did what they needed to do. But, again, I personally feel Iowa lost this game than Wisconsin winning this game. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I haven't watched that game yet. I'm hoping maybe Big Ten Network will show a replay of it sometime today so I can – 
catch it. A game I am going to watch later today that I recorded yesterday is TCU and Texas. Uh, the question's been asked multiple times before the season was Texas back and then they laid an egg against Maryland. But is this the uh, Tom Herman Texas is back game? I'm not willing to sign off on that yet. Could it have been just lightning in the bottle. They looked impressive. They looked like what TCU was supposed to be. But one game to me, especially for the Longhorns, doesn't make a season. If this is the launching pad, a lot of people can look back on this game and say, hello, Tom Herman, you finally arrived. Hello, Longhorns, welcome back. But I I cannot sign off on saying Texas is back as of yet. I need to see more from this team. Are we going to see the team that laid the proverbial egg against Maryland, or are we going to see this team going forward? Only time will tell. Right. And I think their big test will be, is it, maybe is it, is, I don't think it's this week. It may be this week. Or is it the next, this week or next week uh, upcoming when they play Oklahoma? That'll probably be the, is Texas back if they can pull that one off? Uh, there was some huge upsets yesterday. It's, it's go ahead. Cool. Uh, before we go further, it's the Red River rivalry. I mean, that, that would be cool. That's just, I mean, that's it. That game is always like chaotic. I mean, hopefully we get a good game out of it. I remember one year with the final score was like 66, 13 or something like that. And we, hopefully we don't see another one of those. Yeah, I agree there. Hopefully we get, we get a good one. Uh, some huge upsets yesterday. Uh, we talked about it in the, uh, ironic, uh, chat yesterday. Oh, or this morning, ODU, just you said you had to look at it five or six times to make sure you wasn't seeing things. What a comeback against Virginia Tech and a win there for the Monarchs. Think about this. Old Dominion, this was probably one of the biggest upsets in all of college football. I mean, Old Dominion, this probably made their millennium. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm literally sitting there and I'm going through scores and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, all right, you know, top 25 scores and everything. And the next thing I know, I see the I see the Virginia Tech score and I'm like, wait, what? Click on the box score. All right, well, let me refresh this. Click on the box score. No, 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 it's got to be a typo. Click on the box score. Oh my God, it, it's true. It's absolutely true. It's. Old Dominion lost in week. Old Dominion lost in week one to Liberty by forty-two points. They lost last Thursday to Charlotte. They were zero and three coming into this game, and they beat Virginia Tech. Just insanity there for for ODU. I got to be honest with you. I think Virginia Tech season has now officially been tanked. (laughs) I mean, that what do you call a loss like that is going to be pretty hard to recover from, and I mean pretty hard to recover from. And, of course, if you're, like, the voters and stuff like that, you see that. I wouldn't be surprised if they're out of the top 25, not only for a week, but at least at least two weeks. Oh, I'm, I'm quite sure of it. I mean, you've got uh, – I mean, what, what I believe happened with Virginia Tech is they, they got a lot of momentum off of a win against Florida State that probably really that doesn't much. look so good now. <laughs> No, it doesn't. I mean, what do you call it? Florida State is probably, you know, that win before the season looked really, would have looked really mighty good. 
but this is a team that's that we call Florida State is only one and two, and they weren't even impressive in their win yesterday. So no, I don't know. No. Um, <laughs> so I mean, a week after Oklahoma State just houses Boise State, and again that they that a lot of people thought Boise State might win, they go and lose to Texas Tech. Um, Texas Tech's got a true freshman quarterback, Alan Bowman, who has just lit up the world these last few weeks since he's been the starter. Uh, is is I thought Cliff Kingsbury was on the hot seat. I think he might have a chance to save his job now. I think we are witnessing a star in the making in, Alan, in Bowman because the way that he has showed poise, you know, for Texas Tech after, you know, after the week one debacle, you know, Texas Tech right now, I think, is going to be that sleeper team that's going to cause a lot of fits in the Big 12. And the way they housed Oklahoma State, you know, in which Oklahoma State was actually considered one of the favorites for the Big 12 crown this year, you know, it just shows you that, you know, if you put your trust in a certain quarterback in a certain system, it's going to work. And Bowman, I mean, Bowman got a lot of good press coming out of high school. And a lot of people were clamoring for him to be the starter before the season. I think Clinsbury saved his job. No doubt he saved his job. If Clinsbury can go, say, 9-3 and three this year, with a 10-3 with a bowl win, there is no doubt he saved his job, and there is no doubt that, and there's no doubt at all that, you know, Texas Tech is going to be one of those teams that will be a Big Ten favorites for a couple of years down the road. Yeah, I hear you on that. Speaking of the Big 12 uh, favorite, Oklahoma, they uh... – they had a scare yesterday with Army. 21-21 with two and a half minutes to go, and you're sitting there thinking, could there be another great upset in the making over here? They pulled it out, and, you know, was it impressive? I mean, give it to Army, though. The game plan that they came in, in which it was pretty much three yards and a cloud of dust to keep Oklahoma's high-powered offense off the field. It was a very smartly coached game, very smartly coached. They were just gassed at the end. You saw it. They were, like, bending over, hands on the hips, because, face it, you've got thoroughbreds versus Clydesdales, <laughs> you know, and in the end, the thoroughbred, in, in the end, the thoroughbred won. But hand it to Army. I, I, I can't say Oklahoma looks sluggish because Oklahoma, they lost the time of possession. Their defense, you know, their defense was, you know, couldn't get off the field, like, on, you know, certain plays. I mean, you knew what Army was going to run. That's the best part about it. You knew what Army was going to run, and Army just executed very well. It's just they, they for 57 and a half minutes, Army stood toe-to-toe with Oklahoma. Those last two and a half minutes, though, when you saw the Army players, you were like, yeah, it was a valiant effort, but alas. Thoroughbred pulled away. I have never seen in my life a time of possession disparity like I did in that game with Army having the ball for like 47 minutes, Oklahoma having it for 13. Oklahoma only ran 31 plays, Army ran 80 or uh, 70 plays. Um, it was just insanity. Oklahoma had two linebackers with over 25 tackles. Never seen that it- before. Just all. All kinds of craziness from that game. When you see something like that, though, you would think Army would would be running away with the game. 
that just also goes to show you that Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma team, you know, bared mm-hmm. down when they had to bear down and stopped Army when it, when it counted. But Oklahoma's going to have to go back to the drawing board because Army may have just set the blueprint on how to attack the Oklahoma defense. Well, fortunately for Oklahoma, I don't believe they're going to run into any other triple option teams in the Big 12, so they should be okay. And speaking of that, I have no idea, no clue why any Power 5 conference team would ever schedule Army, Navy, or any team that they don't have. If you don't have to play these teams in your conference, like if you're playing Georgia Tech, then just, just don't. Well, to be honest with you, it's actually a really good test for a top for a power five college program. Those are the type of teams that'll show you what you're truly made of on the defensive side of the ball. They really would because you never see the triple option. This isn't like the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and 60s where running the ball was king in college was 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 king in college football. You know, triple option, power option, power eye, whatever whatever offense was that you offensive run back in the day. But a Power 5 team can greatly appreciate a victory like this because it was a true test on old-style, old-school college football. That's just me. I'm, uh, yeah. you know, I'm old school. I remember, I remember the Nebraska-Oklahoma games back in the day where it was like the option versus the option stuff. Well, yeah, it was. It was uh, someone tweeted that last night as I was watching. Said this is almost like for old school Oklahoma fans a taste of their own medicine because this was the type of offense that they just destroyed people with in the early to mid '80s, and then now they're just getting it right back at them uh, last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Hundred percent spot on. But uh, a big upset last night in the SEC, Kentucky. Uh, knocks off uh, Mississippi State. Mississippi State was a team that I uh, had gotten popular as the uh, team that some thought could beat Alabama. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, flavor. Uh, but uh, like Ken- say, but Kentucky like knocks say, it off. Flavor du jour. <laughs> right. It's the flavor du jour. Look, I'm going to call it right now. I think Kentucky, they have one game left, one game in the East. In my opinion, I think Kentucky can maybe like pull off the biggest shocker of all time and win the East. I'm going to argue against that because I think they're going to lose this week. But uh, Kentucky, they're going to play South Carolina this week, and Ah, South Carolina is going to be up. Well, South (laughs) Carolina is going to be up for this game. They haven't beaten Kentucky in four years. That is a very Sticking in the crawl type of deal. They're uh, they're going to come after that game like it's one of their biggest games of the season because it really is at this point as far as you know the pecking order in the SEC East behind Georgia. Nobody's beating Georgia in that side of the division. Not Kentucky. Not Missouri. Not South Carolina. Not Florida. Not ten- Georgia's not losing a game to an SEC East opponent. Uh, but speaking well, of nobody's going to beat them. I mean, is anybody going to beat Alabama? No, no, <laughs> just no, just, just no. You know what? Before the season, when they had all the injuries to their linebackers, because I think they lost like five linebackers in a two-week span. You know, in a two-week span, I kept saying to myself, 
uh, maybe the kryptonite finally is about to hit Nick Saban and his squad. And yet they go out and they absolutely annihilate everybody that they play. I mean, it's almost as if, you know, you're watching the college version of Super Tecmo Bowl with, uh, with Tua at quarterback and, you know, Jalen Hurts coming in, you know, who I don't – honestly, he's not going to redshirt. Nah, I just don't see him redshirting at all after what do you call after his performance in the fourth quarter. But I, you know, this team is just stacked. I mean, stacked from top to bottom, stacked. There's like no, there's no weakness. Even the linebackers that are playing right now, which technically are the third and fourth string linebackers, could start for 99% of any college football team out there. It's just insane watching this team. I mean, we talk dynasty, you know, for many sports. We are witnessing a dynasty in Alabama. We could actually sit here, you and me, in the last 10 years and say we are witnessing a dynasty in college football. What Nick Saban has done for this program is absolutely nuts. He gets the best players. He coaches them well. Granted, some of them don't do too well in the pros, but that's a different story for another day. But, you know, they play to the system. They play to the process, as he likes to call it. He he also likes to call it the process. And good God almighty, that team is just like, I I can't see anybody. I really can't see anybody. If, If there's one game that may be the game that they may lose, it may be LSU because I believe that game's in Death Valley. But, you know, I, I don't think LSU has the horses to, 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 stick, to stick with them. No. And plus the, big, I, I plus, don't the big, plus the biggest difference is on the sidelines, you know, the head coaches. Saban's going to run rings around Orgeron. At this point, the closest thing I can see to a potential Alabama loss will be to Georgia in the SEC championship game. But even then, it's like whoever whoever loses that game's probably going to be in the playoff anyway. So they're probably going to play twice again. So we got that to look forward to. And what's scary for anybody who is wanting to see this dynasty end, Tua, the three top receivers, Najee Harris, the running back, most of the guys on defense, all sophomores, all not draft eligible, all going to be back again next year. Good luck, everybody. <laughs> Pleasure knowing you. <laughs> but uh, oh, your boys, uh, your boys, Notre Dame bounced back big yesterday with their new quarterback, Ian Book. Talk to Ian me about that. Effin, Ian Effin Book. That's all I got to say. Ian Effin Book. Thank you. Thank you for finally showing us what an offense can look like when you have a competent quarterback there. I mean, for the last couple of years, we've struggled and struggled and struggled. Finally, we have a guy that comes in 27 for 34, over 300 yards, a couple of touchdowns, and extremely poised in the pocket and ran the offense the way it's supposed to run. And let's not sleep on our defense. Our defense is actually, I believe, one of the most underrated defenses in college football right now. The only thing that's going to keep us from possibly winning a national championship is Brian Kelly having another blow up on the sideline, which he's normally prone to do at least one or two games. <laughs> so what do you call? Look, I'm not a big Brian Kelly fan. 
never been a Brian Kelly fan. Personally, I think he's not he's overrated as a coach. But the guy can recruit. The guy can keep it, you know, has a national championship caliber team. Is this the year we make the CFP? I don't know. I think there's a lot of good teams out there. But, you know, again, time will tell. We still got the, the brunt of the schedule uh, come, uh, coming very soon. Don't they play Stanford next week? Yes, they do. Or is that later in this? So, uh, I believe that. well, that should probably be the biggest game of the week. <laughs> well, I was about to say, what do you call, after last night's game, I wonder, you know, I'm just hoping for one thing. Stanford comes in and they have no emotion whatsoever after last night. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, who are your four playoff teams after four weeks? It's the status quo right now because we're still early in the season. Alabama, obviously, would be ranked one. Clemson would be ranked two. Georgia would be ranked three. And Ohio State would be ranked four. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I can't see any uh, any differentiation right now. I would say the only argument that could be made if you're, if you're receding them right now would possibly be LSU in there just because they have – uh, the two best wins of anybody else in the country right now, but yeah, that that'll play itself out since they play L- they play Georgia and Alabama in the regular season. Um, I mean, there. Uh, what do you call? Think about you know if you really do think about it right now, if the CFP were to come out, it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if there were three SEC teams in the top four. But you know, LSU right now would be my first team out. Yeah, like I said, it'll play itself out. Um, every year there seems to be an argument for a group of five team to get into a playoff, and then you talk about expanding the playoff. And, then look, I think it should be at least an 18 playoff. I'm not going to fight that. But uh, Boise State was a team that was making some noise, and they got hammered last week. There's Is there any group team, of five team? Yeah, there's only one team right now, and that's Central Florida. They're really are the only team right now that I could personally see from the group of five to have a chance at making the college football playoff. But the, the what do you call it? It's daunting um, what they have to do. I mean, losing the game to a Power Five conference, granted it was North Carolina, but you know, losing a Power Conference, Power Five conference game will probably hurt in the long in the long run. And if you look at the American Athletic Conference right now, really, who is there to actually like? be that team that can actually help them, you know, with their rankings. What do you call it? The only thing I can think of is once again, they're going to make a new year's, uh, a new year's bowl, but I don't see them making the college football playoff. And to be honest with you, there is no group of five team this year that will have that, you know, that will have that resume to, get as far as maybe top 10 or anything like that. The only team to me would be central Florida. I even, you know, if there's a sleeper team that I have to look out for right now, it would be someone from the Mac because it just seems to me that the Mac is smacking around power five conferences, but look at the power five conference teams that they're playing. And, you know, you know, it's it looks good on paper, but the gist of it is, you know, uh, okay. For example, yesterday Buffalo they're now four and zero. I wouldn't be surprised if they get if they get moved into the top twenty five. They beat a Power Five conference team, you know, a Big Ten team. It was Rutgers. Come on, 
Really? Rutgers? I mean, yeah, they were favored in that game. They were favored in that game by five and a half points, and I bet four different parlays at the casino Friday night, and I had Buffalo on every one of them because yeah, I, I knew what that was going to be. What do you call If I were to see Rutgers minus five and a half, I would have went to the casino and gone, I'm betting my house on Buffalo. I live in New Jersey. Right. I know how bad Rutgers is. I don't care what anybody says. Rutgers is possibly the worst Power 5 conference team walking on the planet right now. Bar none. Bar none. They, what do you call, they sold out for the money, and that's pretty, that, that's pretty much it. Sold out for the money. They have no business being a Power 5 team. They suck in all sports. Seriously, they suck in all sports. And what do you call the so, last uh, time Rutgers was the last time Rutgers was relevant was when Greg Schiano was the coach and we came they came this close to getting to a New Year's bowl to a New Year's bowl game and I remember watching on a Thursday night ESPN when they upset Louisville when Louisville was king, was one of the kings of college football and I thought to myself my God this is what do you call this guy can build a dynasty right here in New Jersey because he knew how to recruit and he knew how to coach he left for the NFL he went to Tampa Bay and we all know what happened with that. Since then, Rutgers has cratered, cratered, and it's sad to see because you know better than anybody because you do you you do like draft prospects and recruiting and all that. New Jersey, the, the Northeast area is a recruiting hotbed. We could you, Rutgers can possibly keep, you know, Rutgers can could possibly keep all the talent that they wanted here in this. You know, you know, in the area, but in the end, you know, you, you don't have a good team, you don't have a good coach, you don't have, you know, your your administrate your athletic administration is a joke compared to everybody else. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's let's look quickly ahead to next week, where there's really uh, just kind of scan through the games, and there are pretty much. Three games that I think have interest. We've spoken briefly about Kentucky, South Carolina, and all three of them are at the same time next Saturday oh, night, which horrible. is crazy. Kentucky, South Carolina, 6.30 on SEC Network. Stanford and Notre Dame, we talked about that one earlier. That's 6.30 on NBC. These are central times. And Ohio State, Penn State, that's going to be on ABC at 6.30 as well. So – and that's probably – Ohio State-Penn State is probably going to be the – well, I mean, you have two games with top ten – where uh, that are top ten matchups, where you'll have Ohio State-Penn State, Stanford-Notre Dame, both at the same time. So get the uh, – ch- change the batteries in the remote, uh, Nick. I'm going to have two TVs going. What, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm going to have one TV showing one. I'm going to have one <laughs> TV showing the other. Uh, it's going to be crazy. Uh, again – how Stanford going to come off this this game against Oregon going into next week, knowing you have to play a you know a, a top ten you know a top ten team in Notre Dame, it's going to be you know at Notre Dame no less, you know this this could possibly catapult. I'll say this right now, if Stanford beats Notre Dame next week, this will catapult them into the conversation of being the Pac-12 representative for the college football playoffs because you don't run a gamut of these two weeks and then knowing that you also have to play Washington later down. Wait, did they play Washington already? Is that down the road? 
trying to remember now. Stanford, that would probably be later. It's um, it's going to be later in the season because Washington's only losses to Auburn. That's right. So, to me, you know, this is the – what do you call it? This is the, like, the game that will show Stanford Stanford's medal. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Hey, this is the game that you're going to sit there and go, if they beat Notre Dame, you know, you might as well just put them in the conversation going forward until they until they lose. And then, of course, Ohio State, Penn State, you know, that's a budding rivalry that for the last couple of years has been getting nasty on the field and stuff. And, you know, I, the game's in Happy Valley. You know, it's going to be a whiteout. There's 100,000 screaming fans, you know, 100,000 screaming fans. Can Ohio State, you know, not make the silly mistakes that cost them in prior season that has cost them in prior seasons. So we're going to see, it's going to be two awesome games, two TVs. My eyes are going to be cross-eyed by the time we get the, the, the night's over. <laughs> but my God, but Hey, this is why we love college football. And this is why we love talking about it. That's for you right on Nick. Nick, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining uh, me today. Hopefully, like I said, we can uh, do this again next Sunday morning or uh, at the very least, let's try to do it every other week. Hey, I'm down. I'm game. And uh, thanks for having me. And uh, look forward to coming back on uh, the, the, the cheapest meal. <laughs> <laughs> thanks I a lot, Nick. I... Sorry, I cut Nick off there. Uh, so that's going to – that's going to do it here for the, this week's weekly wrap-up edition of The Cheapest Meal presented by Deep Fried Draft. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Deep Fried Draft, and uh, WBLZmedia.com, DeepFriedDraft.com for everything else. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time.